0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 68 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brand Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pew, and as ever, I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? Couldn't be better, my friend. Looking forward to another good one today mate it is literally like we've got that much to talk about today like i can't even stop to see how your week's been like the the list that we've got here is insane mostly because of the news you like for the last i want to say literally for the last like two months we've been like scraping for like the odd news story that's like worth talking about today there's like five things (laughs) that have happened in the
1: last two weeks that's like we need to talk about this because it's huge yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a fantastic one. It should balance out some of the uh, some of the recording, some of the reviews that we're going to give as well later on. So more than happy to continue, man. Let's do it. So let's get going. Uh, we are a fortnightly rock
0: and metal podcast brought to you by Noise at UK, sponsored by Stereo Brown Records. We're available on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen/slash watch. We will be there. Uh, the best way to support us is to subscribe slash follow whichever service you are using that allows you to do that. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast as well. Me and Sam both run that account. Uh, in this week's episode, we've got an insane amount of news to get through, as we previously mentioned. We've got reviews coming from Miles Kennedy's self, um, self Miles Kennedy's solo record, Eyes of March. And the Devil Wears Prada's EP Zombie 2. Plus, I'm planning on grabbing Daz from the Bangers and Mosh podcast for a special Chris meet. Uh, that interview hasn't actually happened yet. It's supposed to be happening tomorrow. Um, just for those who aren't aware, Bangers and Mosh is like a really, really brilliant Extreme Metal podcast. So that interview should be really, really cool. I'm looking forward to that one. should be happening tomorrow. And I'm hoping that it gets included in Tuesday's chat. But just in case something goes wrong, if that interview is not at the end of this episode, we've had to rearrange for whatever reason. Sam, I mentioned it's going to be a really busy episode. Let's get kicking on straight with the news. Um, Dragon Force guitarist Herman Lee has said that metal is, quote, in denial of the racism in it, unquote. Uh, this is part of a conversation he had with Heavy Consequence. Uh, it was a detail on Asian, and AAPI, which stands for Asian American Pacific Islander, musicians' experiences of racism and violence within the actual metal scene. And... Um, He said things like he's been threatened with violence on tour, he's had his hair set on fire, and he's received a a load of prank calls to his house. More specifically, his quote was, I think the metal scene is in denial of the racism in it. I have so many crazy stories, but we don't really talk about it. And when I do, interviews don't ever ask about it because they think it doesn't exist. Um, Mike Shinoda was also a part of this. And he added... Touring and travelling, I've seen racism everywhere. There's no place I've been that doesn't experience it. It's just a plea to social media followers to not cancel you. Racism doesn't have an end date. It requires constant effort. Racism is the disgusting result of ignorance and lack of compassion. That final part of the quote was where he was talking about the uh, stop hate and stop racism campaigns that um, you will see. Not just at the moment across sport, but generally across social media you will see a lot of big companies trying to employ this. Um, Mike Schenauer thinks this is kind of useless. Uh, Sam, I suppose... One of the big examples of this is... And first of all, I agree with the concepts that are being put across by Herman and Mike Schneider here. I should also mention that it wasn't just those two artists that were a part of this, but purely for time's sake, I condensed it down to those two. Um, I feel like probably the, the biggest example of this is still that video of Phil, Anzal- and Phil Anselma, um making the, the white power call and the Nazi salute. Uh, if you'll remember Sam... Shortly after that uh, Obviously his position became Particularly compromised um, Machine head, vocalist uh, Guitarist, whose name Somehow has escaped me uh, for, for some reason Flynn. Rob Flynn, that's it, holy shit, I can't I forgot that Anyway, he does this big massive YouTube video Where he basically tears down Phil Anselmo And says that this isn't like a one-off This is a kind of behaviour that Phil has displayed uh, On several occasions But everyone's always scared to call him out because it's Phil Anselmo, and he was a vocalist of Pantera, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Sadly, I think Herman and Mike are absolutely right. I think I think that music, heavy music, like most other facets of society, is a reflection of the overall part. Um, and I think that racism is prevalent everywhere in society. And I think music and heavy music is no exception, unfortunately. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a particularly, I don't think it's heavy metal solo issue. Um, but I don't think that's the point. Mm. Um, the, the idea is though with the um, extreme metal and heavy metal and alternative music in general, the idea is that it's supposed to be there for people of all colors, races, creeds, backgrounds, and lifestyles. It's supposed to celebrate by definition, People of an alternate lifestyle, people of alternate backgrounds coming together, and people of not and coming together, it's supposed to be this this cultural melting pot with music as the um, as the common denominator between those, and the idea that divisional divisions still exist is is really sad and disheartening. Though I can't say I'm I'm entirely unsurprised. This isn't like what racism in metal because there's there's been exam- examples of this stuff littered throughout metal history unfortunately for years and I also think that when we talk about racism particularly against people from the Pacific Islands or against people from Asia I agree that in the great pantheon of sympathy that's edged out and empathy and action that's taken towards racism Asian racism and people of the Pacific Island racism is often not spoken about and often forgotten, sadly. Um, And Asian stereotypes and racial stereotypes appear to be more prevalent in society, but also much more universally accepted, Um, and I think that's obviously incredibly wrong. So it doesn't surprise me that Herman speaks about these, and it also doesn't surprise me that he hasn't been asked very often about them. And I also agree with Mike's assertion that while um, it's good that people are taking verbal and visible um oppositions against it simply stating that i want to stop racism hashtag stop racism or either you know, at the start of a football game or unle- unleashing a banner um at a metal gig i'm not entirely sure that that's actually fixing anything um i'm not too sure what the fix is i'm not going to sit here and pretend what the alternative so- solution is but we absolutely We absolutely need to do something more forceful about it. And if people as famous as Herman Lee and as influential as Mike Shinoda are still experiencing racism from sections of their own fans as well, I find that utterly abhorrent um, and incredibly saddening. I think you make a good point about the divide there,
0: Sam. I mean, take a look at Metal Hammers or any rock music alternative music publication on facebook or twitter take a look at their comment section when they try and put out there the discussion of where are we in terms of racism in alternative music those comment sections are scarring sometimes and that's not metal hammer's fault or loudwire's fault or classic rock magazine's fault or prog magazine fault That is the fault of the person at their keyboard or with their phone in their hand. And it really is, I mean, legitimately, like, shocking to see the the way that some people would react to these literally just news articles and questions, are we doing enough? And somehow this enrages people to be like, of course we're doing enough, it doesn't exist. And I think that's, like, the greatest one of the greatest examples of selfishness in the modern age, the fact that no one's been racist to you, the 30 year old white man, so racism doesn't exist. I, I think it's a, it's a really, really troubling. You, you make a, a good point of, you know, you don't want to suggest what the fix is. I don't want to suggest what the fix is either, Sam, because like you, I actually don't know. Be nicer people uh, is the fix. Uh, don't be an absolute moron and think that someone's race, sexual identity, age, gender, anything about them would change them as a person other than how they act towards you. And it is, it is a problem outside of metal, but in a place where metal and alternative music claims to be this completely inclusive, all welcoming. If you, you know, we understand that you've had problems, so have us, so have all of us. So you can be, you can hold your hands with us. It's ironic that actually we we can be as an entire scene as violent and as purely, purely evil
1: as any other. I agree. I agree. I think it's. I think it's really disappointing. But at the same time, like I said, metal is, is another extension of anything else. And you only have to look at other well, facets of. Um, society and every industry on the planet is actually tackling this issue um, we're still talking about racism in the Oscars and we're still talking about racism in sports talking about you know affirmative action trying to make sure that we hire more uh, black and Hispanic people for American uh, coaching hires and we're talking about why, why aren't there more black actors nominated for Oscars, I think everywhere especially culturally, society as a whole is tackling this and um, the only, the only solution that I can possibly see is that the, the tide of social, um, of social consciousness just has to actually switch a little bit. And actually, we need to start working on how do we exclude these people that explain and explore these thoughts? And how do we work harder to include people that feel um, that they have been racially sort of targeted or victimised? How do we do better for people from these um, cultures and from these communities? To feel included, because I'll I'll be honest with you, I, I my heart is warmed every time I I go to a gig and I see a person of colour.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, a
1: a metal gig, metal gig, and because it it, sadly it's it's not a common and not a common Mm. occurrence. It's not as common as it should be, um, because metal's supposed to be this fantastic inclusive thing, and I would like to see more people from different communities get involved in it. And I think that would also help turn the tide, because seeing people like Jason Butler or the vocalist of Oceano should not be exclusive, uh, unique one-off occasions. Mm. They should be, they should be sort of more, 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 more common figures, um, and and that that needs to be permeated through the fan base as well. But it's the 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 idea: how do we tackle? people feeling that they can express and act in this way how do we tackle that because shunning them and saying we oppose racism in this parallel sort of non-linear fashion is fine but how are we actually responding to acts of racism and racial abuse because if Herman Lee said that someone's hair got set on fire and he's had um... just branching off something you were saying
0: there Sam I think there is hope there's you know there is there is hope for the scene moving forward and I hate using the word the scene but like general generalising us all together but you know you get the idea we can I think there is a genuine chance of us being better but of course Sammy it relies on the individual and the individual making that change and that's obviously the problem at the moment
1: yeah I think I think you're right I think you're right and as, as I was alluding to a little bit earlier I think you've got to work harder on excluding these these people that act in a certain way. Um, if if you make a racist comment, slogan, shout act anywhere in public, you should be removed from the establishment that you're at, permanently banned from it. If you make it on social media, there should be a permanent life ban, not like yeah. a 30 day community ban. You're no longer allowed to use that. Um, that platform at all um because, and, that, and that's the way we have to eradicate it um because if you want to eradicate crime unfortunately you have to lock away the criminals that, and that is the way that it is and and, and if, if you stop seeing racism as a in it's a sense it's it's strange. if we stop seeing racism as something that can be treated with therapy and start treating it as a crime that needs to be where the perpetrators need to be excluded from society, then then I think we might make a little bit more headway in terms of actively getting rid of it. Because at some point, if you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s and you've decided that black people, Asian people or people of a different colour are inferior, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what more we can do for you societally that really should be, allow you to be back into these sort of public establishments. I just, how do we, you know, if... if Banners haven't worked, is what I'm trying to say. Leaflets mm. haven't worked. Hashtags don't change people's minds. People just get entrenched in what they are. But if we want racism out of metal, then we have to kick the racists out. It is that it is that simple. We're not you're not gonna sit here and persuade a guy who agrees with Phil Anselmo about white power. What how, how many hashtags is it gonna take to persuade him? You know what I mean? Is it mm. seven trillion? Because I I I would take the over on that. It's just not gonna work. So these people need to be excluded. A harsher line needs to be taken. Because if we get to a point where even Mike Shinoda and Herman Lee, two figures at the forefront of our genre, are feeling this, God knows what it's like to just be a non-famous, influential person of colour or Asian descent in a metal arena. I, would, I hate the idea of that person feeling fear that they can't go to these places and enjoy these things without being victimised or treated in this way.
0: Wonderfully said, Sam. I've got to say, wonderfully said. Um, let's veer off slightly. Um, Glenn Danzig believes that woke BS and cancel culture is killing punk rock. This came from an interview, Sam, with Rolling Stone, where he was discussing um, Misfits' classic, Last Caress, uh, you, you know, obviously you remember, c- covered by Metallica, on their EP, Garage Days Revisited. Um, and the writer... Uh, Corey Grow, I think Gro, I think his name was um, he, he, Glenn Danzig basically told Corey that the song lyrics were intended just to uh, annoy people like F everybody F you, F you F you F you F the world F your system F all this BS uh, he then said that there won't be any new bands coming out like that he then expanded a little bit People don't understand because everything's so cancel culture, woke BS nowadays. But you could never have the punk explosion nowadays because of cancel culture and woke BS. You could never have it. It would never happen. We're lucky it happened when it did because it will never happen again. You won't have any of those kinds of bands ever again. Everyone's so uptight and politically correct. Sam, I'm going to be honest here. I've never listened to The Misfits. I know they are supposed to be a legendary punk rock band. Boyfriend. Uh, it's uh, probably absurd to some people who know me and know that Green Day are my favorite all-time band but yeah I haven't listened to misfits and I do agree that does sound strange and I absolutely intend to listen to them on at one point. Sam, um, you I'm not I don't know whether you're like an expert on misfits, but I'm assuming you know them at least better than I do. Does this were misfits writing songs that were against the grain or does this seem like Glenn Danzig just doesn't like the idea of not being able to be sexist? In a song,
1: some of, some of Miss Bits' most famous songs are pretty controversial, right? Okay, um, there's a lyrics of Last Caresses I Fucked Your Mother Today, doesn't matter, doesn't matter to me as long as she's spread. And then right, on Helena, okay. on Helena, there's a lyrics that's um, Cut off your arms and cut off your legs, would you still love me anyway? Stuff like that. It's ho- it's horror punk, so they would wear their makeup and talk about killing people and stuff, right? Can I just but, quickly interject? Sorry, just sorry. I want to ask you a question. Uh, me and you were talking.
0: Uh, about Highway to Hell By AC DC uh, And we were discussing When we were talking about that album That the lyrical content uh, There, listen to it now Made both of us, makes both of us feel uncomfortable But it was in and of its time uh, In the 70s Life was very different back then We hadn't moved as far forward Even though we've just said discussing last news article We've still got a long way to go You see what I'm saying Do you st- uh, do you think that is a fair argument for Misfits as well?
1: No, because I I think that while ACDC were reflective of their time, perhaps, uh, Misfits were actively trying to irritate it. And then he's right. Okay. uh, So they were writing lyrics that were deliberately controversial because talking about forcibly having sex with people's mothers and sisters would never be... It's never going to be... There wasn't a a point in time where that wasn't acceptable. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? So it was deliberately on the other side. What annoys me about Danzig on this particular instance is that he's immediately stated that Misfits wrote songs to irritate people, and now he's annoyed that people get irritated <laughs> by, yeah, by, yeah, by, that's by good, these yeah. sort of lyrics. Um, if you've got out of your way to irritate people, and then people are actually irritated, shouldn't pe- shouldn't punk punk artists be more inclined to go against this system and this world culture if that's if that's the way that it is? And essentially like oh, you could what we, we want, you know, we want to write this stuff to annoy people and people get annoyed. Oh, not like that. Um, yeah. We want people to annoy people to annoy them, and then buy our t T-shirts. A couple of our gigs. That's what we want people to be. Um. so I, I think I think it's, it's, it's a ridiculous hypocrisy. I also think that it's ridiculous to suggest that um, it was more accepted in the 70s. I don't think that it was because um, if you watch any documentary on the, the, the punk explosion, there were, literally, there were TV programmes and news programmes that the, the main article was sort of, what's punk doing to our children and what could we do about this. When the Sex Pistols released their Nevermind the Bollocks album, W uh, uh, Woolworths refused to stock it. Refused, point blank, we're not going to stock it. And actively tried to discourage sales to prevent it from being number one because uh, they released, uh, Sex Pistols famously released God Save the Queen on um, a Silver Jubilee um, and tried to tried to one up the queen a little bit um and people were actively trying to reduce it and people were throwing the cds on the floor and breaking it and talking to newscasters being like this is wrong and this is so people acting like his memory coming out and being like as if people like the misfits were like bon jovi or something in the 70s and they were writing these music and they were university praised and accepted is is utter tripe to be honest and i think the idea that Punk is less accepted now than it was then. I think is also untrue because the music since the 1970s has become incredibly more extreme. And we've reviewed lots of metal and extreme artists that talk about incredibly controversial political and top, um and other topics. Danzig wants to sit down and list a bit of people slicer if he thinks people are too soft these days. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was going. I was going to, was going to that's mention it, this.
1: That's, that, that's what it is. This is like rose tinted. Times were better when I was younger back in my day and it's it that's all that it is what particularly bothers me is that really if you're a young punk band and you and you want to write punk music and you want to rally against the system you have limitless options to, of topics to talk about and things to be annoyed about in the last 10 years alone whether you're english or american or anywhere else in the country there's examples of the, all the things that punk stood up against you know racism and corruption and a division and conservatism. Those those issues still exist if you are someone that's interested in writing songs against those topics. That hasn't gone away because of the Me Too movement. Do you know what I mean? More yeah. women are coming forward and talking about being sexually harassed and that's a good thing. And more people are calling out people like Marilyn Manson for the way that they've acted and politicians like and and, and filmmakers like Harvey Weinstein. That is a good thing. Punk is still existing. And rock music still exists in this more aware world. We're just not living in a world where we're tolerating as much as we had in 1978. And Danzig pretending that it's like this like apocalyptic future where you can't say what you want. I don't think it's true. You can say what you like as long as it's not heinous and horrible and there are consequences to free speech. And again, you can listen to a collection of death metal, extreme metal and dark, I'm sure there's punk artists out there. The right controversial lyrics. I mean,
0: bro, Straight from the path. Route good night alt right to song about punching Nazis.
1: Fantastic, and we, we reviewed reviewed Drip, like last year. Yeah, amazing. There was, there, was, there was a fantastic punk band of which some of the lyrics don't hold back. Um, so what what's he talking about? And and I would hesitate. I would hasten to answer. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I think he's just upset that Misfits aren't being talked about anymore. That's what it feels like to me. And he wishes it was 1979 when he was like in his twenties. That's what it feels like. It's get off my lawn.
0: I entirely agree. I because of my lack of knowledge for Danzig and Misfit's lyrical content, I felt like it would it was unfair for me to comment but immediately I see 50, 60 year old man complaining about the current state of affairs that just is the classic Simpson headline, old man yells at cloud picture comes into my head Old Man Wishes It Was 1970 Again. Um, It is absurd that I've never listened to The Misfits. That is something that I I will change because I'm fully aware of their legacy and how important they have been to bands like Green Day, who are my all-time favourite band. But, yeah, uh, what an absolute nonsense that headline is, Sam. Like, absolute, it's ridiculous. You know, it's basically political Gene Simmons, isn't he? It's, it's, it's Gene Simmons, but this time I'm not talking about rock music. It's talking about the concept of cancel culture and political correctness. At the end of the day, my understanding of punk rock is that punk rock is an attitude and that punk rock is not something that can be controlled by the conversation. Punk rock's an attitude. So yeah, what's, that, what's that got to do with cancel culture?
1: Um, it, absolutely ridiculous. It, it can't be gatekept either like if this isn't punk because it's not the way that i remember it well it's not 1979 anymore like I'm, i'm sorry times as you say times have moved on and if you actually look a little bit closer there's there's lots of examples of great punk rock attitude within modern culture because we're actually more likely now living in a world that punk rock has envisaged us one day living in we're approaching that hopefully life is becoming more inclusive and people having coloured hair are getting jobs, and the people yeah. with tattoos are getting into work, and they're not being judged and mistreated in the way that they were in 1977. And that's a good thing. Things are get things are getting better in certain areas. So I don't I don't miss 1979, but I, I can understand why Danzig does.
0: Because of our unfortunate interruption, Sam, I'm not f- sure how long we've gone here. Uh, so this de- uh, how long have we gone? So I know whether we can include the next story or not.
1: Including, if you take out the interruption,
0: we're around the 20-minute mark. Okay, that's better than I expected. Okay, let's go over this next topic then. Uh, I, w- I thought we may need to drop one, but I can't imagine talking about this one for too long. Um, read you the headline, Sam. Lars Ulrich was, quote, so right uh, in claiming that illegal downloading could destroy the music business, says Corey Taylor. Um... Now, this is referring back to uh, in two thousand when uh, Lars Ulrich was very vocal against the concept of Napster, which was an, a, a music and kind of file slash data sharing website. It was kind of like the first ever pirate bay. My understanding is it was kind, it, it was kind of like uTorrent back then lars ulrich and metallica very vocal against it there was a lot of heat and backlash for them one of those comments came from chino moreno who said it's not like metallica need any more money than they've got Uh, to which lars ulrich back in 2000 responded to that i saw that idiot from Town saying um saying stuff about me is that the best argument people can come up with do we need more money no we're fine thank you for asking about my financial situation but I'm taken care of for ten lifetimes. Is it possible this could be about something else? I have to I remind myself <laughs> Yeah. I have to remind myself that I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. You have to remember this isn't just about music. The reason that music is out of the box first is that it's the shortest amount of digital information that's tradable. But, according to the information we're getting, we're probably 12 to 18 months away from a situation where the day that a movie opens in theatres, it can be downloaded for free on computers all over the world, and the day that Tom Clancy writes a new book, it'll be up on the internet for anyone who wants it. I mean, that's messed up stuff. And that is a fight, I believe. Worth fighting for. Now, that was said by Lars Ulrich in 2000, Sam. 21 years later. I mean, it really is uh, quite a apt and intelligent perception of the future to come, isn't it? Knowing what we know now. I mean, is that not exactly what's happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's nailed it. Yeah. And to the point, he even now, the timeline. When he was like in 12 to 18 months' time, people are going to be able to download films that have come out in the cinema. And that's literally what happened. Like, exactly, to that point. Um, and he was absolutely correct. And now, now, the very bands, the, the the very artists that were moaning at Lars Ulrich, or at least some of the music fans that were moaning at Lars Ulrich for what he was saying, and now campaigning for Spotify and other um, music-sharing websites to give a bigger percentage to <laughs> yeah. the bands that they love. And it's like, do you not see the relationship between this and the other? Because if Lars Ulrich was in no doubt or a smaller band then that wasn't the flagship of alternative music like Metallica were and are and have been for the last 30 years maybe people will have reacted differently because Lars Ulrich was actually sticking up for the smaller bands because like he pointed out the black album is gonna keep Lars Ulrich in tennis rackets for the rest of his life it's gonna be absolutely fine mm. Um so He's not doing it for that. He's doing it for the principle of, I created something that I wish to share and people should have to pay for that thing mm. because people pay for everything else. People pay for food. People pay for services. People pay for experiences. My music is part of that. It's a media that should be shared and should be paid for at an appropriate rate. And they fought for that. And they won. They got naps- to naps- out of business pretty much. Um. But the thing is, is the the cat was out the bag technologically, yeah. and it was always it was always going to happen this way. We had Lion wire, and then we've had Spotify and all these streaming sites and Deezer and all the rest of it have all popped up and make music incredibly available and incredibly cheap. And as a result, artists are now short on money where they were not ten to fifteen years ago. And Lars Ulrich is. I agree with Corey Tyler. Should be feeling relatively smug about this opinion. be seeking some apologies. The reason why
0: I've brought this up, and I should mention that every news article we've discussed today can be seen on Metal Hammer's website, because that's where we've got them from. Um, The reason why I brought this up is because uh, Corey Tyler was on uh, Steve-O, formerly, of course, of Jackass. He was on his podcast. Um, And Corey Tyler's quote on the situation was, I remember everyone giving him so much stick because of that and he was so right on so many levels it's scary and i wonder how many people look back and eat a little cry because of that because he knew he knew this was the direction we were going it's kind of weird, it's kind of hard, because in this day and age, it's really hard to know which ones of the streaming services actually compensate the artists that they're ripping off. It's more important for me that people listen to the music. At this point, I've kind of made peace with the fact that there are various services who are just screwing us, and until the legalisation is actually enforce, which they passed under Trump, which I couldn't believe, they'll keep charging us at that rate. But they've appealed that legislation. I don't think the appeals will actually go through. They will raise the rates and musicians will be able to make a living off their recordings again. Sam, the reason why I've brought this question up is because only a few weeks ago were we talking to Loz Taylor from While She Sleeps. Uh, and we discussed have several discussed several times um, how much we love their Patreon, the Sleep Society. Obviously, we love While She Sleeps in the bat as a band. My well, question to you Sam, if rates got, were to rise for streaming services, what kind of impact if any do you think that would have on a current state of alternative music closer to the point? Would we see musicians start to break out of the concept of an album every two years? Because the concept of releasing an album every two years is, under normal circumstances where there's not a pandemic you release an album which gives you the ability to tour for 18 months then you record an album for 6 months and you release the album and that gives you the ability to tour for 18 months and then you record for 6 months and the cycle continues Um, under the impression that perhaps rights could rise to something much better than what they are currently on and perhaps musicians could be paid a more fair amount than what they are currently receiving Uh, could you foresee a world where musicians are no longer forced to either constantly be touring or constantly be writing unless you are one of the absolute gold mine bands
1: i think i think it would still maintain its its, its continuity unless you were a massive band that you could afford to take that time off um because pr- even prior to um even prior to the uh streaming explosion um small bands toured all the time, yeah, <laughs> and growing bands toured all the time, and bands until they reached a, a massive point released an album every two years. Um, I mean, look at let's lose, just lose like Sabbath and I imagine in the 70s yeah. and 80s as an example. You know, Sabbath released five albums in five years, I made and brought out an album every two years, even after Number of the Beast and then Power Slave and stuff like that. And that's this was when records heavy metal was massive and records are flying off the shelves acdc do you think they needed to tour after back in black probably not released an album in 1981 and then 83 and then 85 so i i can't i can't see that really changing the only the only change that i would say is that you know maybe a massive massive band thinks eh, if we're getting more money from this this is selling we'll just we can re-tour on that that same album or we'll do a greatest tour or something like that but i really can't see I can't see the smaller bands actually being able to change. Me neither. I really can't. Me neither. I think that with that, Sam, I think the one
0: thing it could do is allow us a world where musicians can leave their full-time jobs sooner, which is awesome. Yes, that is is a good thing. Pupil Slicer. um, Dude, if they were making more money per record sale or per listen on Spotify, they could probably all leave their jobs sooner and just be Pupil Slicer and lord knows that band deserved that as as well malevolence dude I mean I know that like the vocalist from malevolence has told us both that he actually quite enjoys working and he enjoys the concept of malevolence being a sidewards thing but Dude, malevolence deserve to be a full-time band, don't they? I mean, come on. They deserve to be working they would deserve to be earning from Malevolence 24 hours a day. Um so I'm with you, man. I think the only real change we would see here is is that bands could leave their work their tw- their nine to five jobs sooner, which would be which would be great for them. But on the flip side, for the bands that I, I put to you, could we see a world where bands in the mid-range not the superstar the bands that are in the middle Uh, could we see a world where they stop releasing albums every two years Uh, probably not dude because if they make more money they'll want to then make more money by releasing another album such as Maiden and Sabbath etc in the 70s constant stream of
1: albums means a constant stream of income and absolutely the more money for the artist means more money for the record label if uh, if they're getting more money out of the streaming sites as well and they're not going to be like you know what we can let this we can let this run we don't really need to we don't need to improve profits next year and that be ridiculous but i agree with you uh, it would be a great situation where bands are more full time because um my theory is that albums would be better because they had throw themselves into them and take 6 months actually 6 months off and do that do that thing the big bands do where they're like this is a massive album for us we're going to live in this cabin for 6 months and we're going to write and do nothing but eat sleep and drink music mm. Whereas band, small bands can't do that, because they're mixing up studio time with um, working at jobs and things like that. Um, we we talk about little bands like this all the time, There's, there really shouldn't be any reason why um, Lucas from Holding Absence is pouring pints um, behind the floor yeah. for us. It, should, mm. it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. when you When you reach a certain level as a band, that should be a full time thing. And someone is earning a full living off those bands. Yeah. And unfortunately it isn't the bands themselves And it's it's cheap labour, sadly So I agree uh, if, we, if we create a situation where bands are more self-sustainable And can afford to feed themselves and their families By just doing that Power to them
0: Let's move on to final news segment of the show, Sam Not specifically just about download, Because we talk about download a lot We're going to branch off into a couple of different discussions here But there have been... 70 additions to the Download 2022 Festival lineup. Uh, headliners are Kiss, Iron Maiden, Biffy Clyro. We already knew this. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, much of the 2020 and 2021 lineup uh, remains here. Of course, that makes sense. They would just bring them over, wouldn't they? So across the lineup, you've got Deathtones, Corn, Megadeth have been added. I don't believe they were playing previously. Steel Panther have sadly been added, <laughs> um, but brilliant to add the Ghost Inside. I think that is an absolute. I mean, their headline in the third stage, and that is an absolute. That is going to be a wonderful time. Funeral for a Friend, Descendants, Sepultura, Electric Wizard. If you like your doom. Um, uh, Loathe, uh, Salem, Wednesday 13, uh, The Distillers, Power Wolf, Rise Against, pretty reckless. I'm not going to read every band here, of course. Uh, Static Dress, they're a great band. Sleep Token are on there. Uh, Spirit Box, that's a real great get for download. I think Spirit Box are going to be huge. Loat to say to me and you both like to see At uh, Higher Power, I saw uh, 2000 Trees, they're a great band. Bleed From Within, we love their new record venom prison as well we go on and on and on uh sam the reason why i've brought download up more than just to talk about the lineup uh, which like i say is pretty much uh, a mirror image of the lineups over the last couple of years that have had to be postponed for obvious reasons my understanding sam is that you haven't watched the bees interview with andy copping but you have watched I interview with andy copping yeah, in the last week that's correct. right right yeah, that's right what say what you want about Andy Copping in terms of his decisions in terms of booking a festival? I don't think there's a person as high up in the industry that is as transparent as Andy Copping, no, and he no, doesn't need true. to be. Let's At call all. it what it is. He's the booker for download. If someone asks him why is download two hundred and twenty pound, in fact I forgot the actual price. I think it is two hundred and twenty pound for the five days. He could say, "Oh well, uh, you know, costs have gone up, so we the, the, the cost has risen with that." He, Andy Coppen, if you watch an interview with him, he legitimately breaks down the, the cost of the download ticket and why it costs that much. Uh, and uh, he compares it to why Hellfest can charge what Hellfest charge, etc, etc. Now, me and you, Sam, only on our Gajira album review a few weeks ago, we're talking about, again, the future of download. I'm not sure whether he mentioned this on your podcast that you listen to, but with Bees, which is a tremendous interview, if anyone uh, hasn't seen it yet. With Bees, he was basically saying that the 2023 headliners, he hasn't actually booked them yet, but they are penciled in and that is because so many bands have had tours postponed that in terms of discussing with a booking agent it's like uh, we'll have to jump on 2023 because we've already got 2022 sorted from the delays of our 2020 and 2021 bookings and he said that the three headliners would be quote unquote insane insane if he got all three of them, of course he's going to play it up. He's not going to make it seem boring. Obviously he needs to sell tickets here. Um, I wanted to point that out to you, Sam, because I think that's like a fascinating look into the current state of play for bands. They've got so much touring already booked that in terms of festivals, it's like we'll have to do 2023 or 2024. I think that makes Andy Copping's job even harder
1: than it was previously. We're certainly going to give him some difficulty in terms of selecting isn't it and sort of fitting these bands in and things like that but also it's an exciting way to think about the next three years when we're going to literally be able to have so many tours available and things are going to be starting pushing together it's an exciting going to be exciting 24 month calendar for for metal fans um i actually yeah i watched a different sort of interview to yourself but i i came away with it with a a greater feeling i respect him anyway but a greater feeling of admiration for what he does and the honesty that he puts with it because me and you have sat here and we've you know banged on the table for varying artists to be involved in the download sphere and he is clear that he's also having that sort of similar vision as well and he's attempted regularly to be to make this as varied a festival as he possibly can um he is right when he says you know these these heritage acts are massive i mean why would why would you book them if they're if they're available yeah um and and You know, you talk about he talked about in this interview I watched. Talks about Greta Van Fleet, who you can take or leave, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not too fussed. But Mm -hmm. he says, well, two years ago they started on download, and now they're going to be playing probably going to be playing arenas at the next tour. And these bands grow big, and then you have to harness when they reach a certain size. And that links us back to our original point when we were talking before about Gajira and all these other bands. You want to play download headliner? You've got to headline arenas, and if you do, he'll put you on. Because he's not afraid to, uh, mm-hmm. provided that you meet those requirements. Because he was talking, to some of the bands that he was talking about that he saw as download headliners were some normal ones. But he shows that he's paying attention. He was talking about Architects. He was talking about Bringing the Rise. He talks about Parkway Drive. He talks about Gajira He talks about Hailstorm Sadly, um, <laughs> but, um, he he sees those as bands around the size to be headlined and downloaded in the next two or three years. And I I agree with that notion. And he also uh, pointed out pointed out that he's, he's tried to get several bands over the last few years that are different from the ones that we usually see. And I mean you complain, oh you know, Iron Maiden again. But it's like, well, if you try to get Foo Fighters and they turned him down and Iron Maiden are there, you put Iron Maiden on, and if you try to get Pearl Jam twice and it didn't work, and kits are available, then you put Kiss in. Yeah, you tried to get Green Day, you tried to get Blink One Eight Two. You know, like He's he's attempting to vary it. Yeah. These bands aren't available. He tried to get Van Halen. He said he had. It's supposed to be sad. He said he had Van Halen twice. Oh Matt, I was going to bring this up uh, to you. He said
0: he was literally like this close twice to getting yeah, Van Halen. That hurts, and man. And they, all,
1: and they all decided they didn't want to come to Europe, and now that's never going to happen. Um, so, like, what more do you want from the guy? What more do you want from the guy? Because, um, like you, like you said before. Um, if he puts Machine Head headlining down low, there's going to be 30,000 people at the stage and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall on his face. Same if it's slam of God or Mastodon. I'm sorry. That's what it is. If you're big enough, you'll get you'll get there. And he's even said, like, and he's not he's not against any any bands as long as you're an alternative or rock band and you meet the size. He was talking about having Paramore as a headliner, bringing them back as a headliner, talking about bringing Fallout Boy, which I, I don't like Fallout Boy or Paramore. But if you turned around to me and said, "Well, I can get sixty thousand people at this download festival if I book this band," I, I get it. One yeah. more Chemical Romance were there. That's why Linkin Park are there. And as well as you've pointed out, as we both pointed out, if you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch Paramore, I don't want to watch Linkin Park, I don't want to watch My Chemical Romance, I don't want to watch Kiss. Um, well, right, Simple tourer, Lotus Eater, Electric Wizard, like, yeah. There's op- Sleep Token. There's options there for you in a variety of different stuff, like he's doing his job he's, he's doing his job and there's a reason why he's still doing it because he, he's fantastic at it and he the bands need to get to a certain size they can't be promoted by download but he's right when he talks about how download has allowed these bands to grow in size and then every couple of years they come back and they're a little bit bigger on the bill and, and that sort of stuff he's right as well there look at Trivium um, you know so I, I, I have a great respect for him and I, I, again like you said earlier I appreciate how it, honest he's
0: one of the reasons, Sam, another reason why I brought this up, uh, Bees was talking to him about, about the crossover ideas that have happened at download. For example, Lethal Bizzle, Chase and Status, Skrillex. Over the years, there's probably been others, but those are the three that come to my mind. That, you know, download has, all, has taken a chance on, and for the most part, to my knowledge, been successful. And the reason why I'm discussing crossover, Sam, is because there has been a festival announced called Alt and London. Uh, this is kind of pitched as the first ever hip hop slash rock crossover festival. The lineup, Sam. I'm going to be honest. I don't know 90% of these artists, right? Right. Uh, there's an, an, a stage called the Open Air Stage, which is headlined by Playboy Carti and a list of other artists who I've never heard of. However, the indoor arena is headlined by Architects. It was going to have Diane Wood there, but Architects, uh, Bob Villain, one of the artists there, and some others all campaigned to have Diane Wood taken off because of their uh, wrongdoings. And thankfully, Diane, Diane Wood have been removed. So now that indoor arena goes Architects, Machine Gun Kelly, Sleep Token, Bob Villain, Dana Dentata, Mimi Barks and Zand. Um, So Sam, this seems to me like it's being pitched as a hip-hop slash rock crossover festival. What it sounds like to me is it's a hip-hop festival and we'll see how well the rock acts get attended If this goes very well, and I don't know the size of this festival, let's say it's got a 20,000 capacity. I don't know. It might be more, it might be less. If it's got a 20,000 capacity, Sam, and 12,000 people go to see Architects, what are we saying about the possibility of crossover festivals? Could this potentially be opening a new door? I think it could be.
1: Yeah, I would would agree, provided that there are... um lots of avenues for if you're in this person you turn right and if you're in this group you turn left and you fancy this bit of music and there's those pollinations uh, allowed to be so what I mean by that is that the, there's availability for hip hop fans to go to separate arenas and if you want to just go for the hip hop artists you don't have to see architects and if you're a metal fan and you're not interested in modern hip hop you can go and do that but also there's availability to be in between I think that could be an absolutely workable system I, I, I completely agree um I don't know the success rate of hip hop solo festivals. Does neither, one exist? Neither do I. Ne- I don't know. I don't know. Like I I've I've not I've not watched many live performances of hip-hop artists. Um I I think it's a bold thing. I think it's a bold thing. Um and I think I think rap and hip hop music is tough to nail live as well from videos that I've seen especially at festivals um, there's a reason why a lot of these hip-hop artists do indoors and more intimate settings and things like that I'm not saying that it can't work I just, I'm just i just interested in, in seeing the output whereas rock and metal instruments, bands, long-standing history of being successful live i will be interested to hear the, um, the combination of that, I hope it works because if it means that more rock fans get into wider sections of music and stop being borrowed in their own um, delusions of their own genre and maybe hip-hop artists and hip-hop fans start getting more into rock music then that—that that's wicked for the genre I really, really do um, I just actually, I, I know I'm biased because I'm, I'm the metal fan but I know there's two genres there and I know that one of them's going to be fine live I just I don't know about the others, I don't
0: Picture this, Sam One day at a festival like this Run The Jewels headline and Fever 3-3-3 and Straight From The Path are not sub headlines, but at least on the same stage. There's your crossover, right?
2: Because,
0: like, I think Run The Jewels are amazing. Their their RTJ4 is an incredible record. It's so good. Um, That track with Zach Delarosa, the save master's powers on your dollar, so good. Um, So I, I think that and I'd love to see Run The Jewels get, get given a go at download. I'd love hey, to, because they're the so they could headline in terms of the size. I'd love to see them just take a chance on Run The Jewels. I think if like if you're listening to this and you're a metal fan, you're like, Run The Jewels, who are they? Listen to Run The Jewels, man. RTJ4, it's they classic. are so, so good. Um, and I tell you what as well, they're exciting and, you know, they're not metal, but they're violent. It's not like, it's not like childish hip hop it's, like, aggressive and really, really, like... It really says something. Their music does. It really has a message. Um, So I think like this kind of... I really hope this festival goes down well. Now, if I'm honest, Sam, obviously Architects I adore, Sleep Token I love, Machine Gun Kelly uh, somewhat less. So, um, So I actually care for only two of the artists. There is more to be announced apparently, but I only care for two of the artists so far on this lineup. But I really hope this does well because I think... If we could get that crossover between metal or alternative music and hip-hop, which do have more in common, not musically, but in terms of the actual system surrounding them than people think, I think that could be a great thing for both of those those, uh, genres. Um, I mean, you've spoken before about what are the, you know, Jay-Z did an album with Linkin Park. Who would Drake do an album with? in rock today. I mean, he just wouldn't, would he? He wouldn't go anywhere near it. Things like this can help bump us up. I say that, actually, maybe I should go back a little bit because I think Post Malone probably would do an album with Bring Me The Horizon if, if the stars aligned. Although I think Drake is fairly bigger than Post Malone. But you see my point. My point is that rock and alternative music isn't in the kind of spotlight where the art, an artist the size of Drake would think, you know what? That'd be really good for my career if I did an album with... Bring me the horizon. He just wouldn't, would he? Uh, but I think you know, a festival like this could definitely help us get there. I
1: completely agree. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works.
0: Sam, we are going to get through to reviews. We're going to start off with Miles Kennedy's solo record, The Ides of March. This is his second solo album, the follow-up to 2018's Year of the Tiger. And it's out on May 14th via Napalm Records. Obviously Miles Kennedy is a fame with Alterbridge and Slash and the Conspirators. Sam, when I first pressed play on this album, I immediately asked myself, is it fair that I go into this album and I might compare it to Alterbridge? And I thought it's not. I've decided that it's not. Ultimately. Well, <laughs> ultimately. This oh, is embarrassing for Miles. <laughs> Ultimately, this is a bluesy country record, and Alter Bridge are a hard rock band. And I tell you what, Sam, me and you talk about um, you know possibilities for download headlines, all that kind of thing, and yeah, the bands that are right on the edge of superstar level. We never mention Alter Bridge, mate. Alter Bridge are really, really massive. I think they've had like three gold albums. Alter Breach. They're like huge. They play arenas over here, and I think the last one was them and Shinedown, Down, uh, of which I apologize to anyone who was put through Shine Down. I can only imagine the torture. Um so we we speak about we, we always ignore Alter Breach, but you know, they are a, a, a very, very good hard rock band. And I love Blackbird, I love Metalingus, I love When I'm Gone, I love Cry of Achilles really loads of great alterbridge bridge songs so i've gone into this and i thought it is unfair for me to make that comparison between this and alterbridge bridge what do you think about that do you think it's fair to compare this solo record to alterbridge
1: bridge no i, I agree that it's unfair to compare the solo record to alterbridge bridge because if he was doing a bridge stuff he'd do it in alterbridge bridge um, i think what it is is a confirmation of the size of alterbridge bridge that he's allowed to release two solo albums the last of which the one that we're just about to review is not very good well it's funny you say that Sam because I have tried so so hard to
0: like this album it's impossible I've listened to it five times right oh oh and I've gone in literally like I've gone in and saying to myself like trying to convince a seven year old to compete in sports dad like come on you love tennis you know like Oh, come on. That's guitars. You love yeah, guitars. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Miles Kennedy is a great vocalist, which he is. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Miles yeah. Kennedy is a tremendous vocalist. And he's been a really, really important part of 21st century rock. So it's like I'm saying to myself, come on, you love Miles Kennedy? You'll like this? Mate, this album isn't good, is it? <laughs> no, like I Zander knew what booth. this was going
1: to... I could. I think I could have told you what this was going to sound like. The moment I... Before I even listen to it. The moment I think uh, I see... Um, Great singer in great band doing solo album without those musicians. I'm like, okay, so like Corey Taylor, Danny Warsnop, and it's just going to the, the ceiling of this is six and a half out of ten. Mm. Uh, Miles Kennedy is a great vocalist,
2: right?
1: A superb vocalist, but without being with Slash or Alter Bridge, it's like putting a really expensive chandelier in a house without a foundation because he's just singing over terrible songs.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- Miles Kennedy, minus Slash, and minus Tremonti. That's a hard sell for me. <laughs> as, great is, disease, as great of this disease. As great about this disease.
1: He is, and he's hired some decent musicians who appear just to be generic session musicians. Session musicians, And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's Miles Kennedy singing over like these generic rock songs in the same way that it was Corey Taylor singing over generic rock songs. And Danny Walsnop, a year beforehand, was hired blues musicians to do blues songs and this is all it is it's it's a it's just a another extension of that trend of like vocalists thinking that they can replicate their band's ingenuity and you need great musicians and great riffs to be able to pull this off because there's no there's nothing and i and I, and I, and I i really like miles kennedy i just want to say that i want to keep saying that there's no ingenuity in this whatsoever there's none. There isn't a single song on this apart from parts of the uh, the ending that reminded me a little bit of Slash's solo stuff, "Worried Mind." But the rest of it is so generic, so third gear, run-of-the-mill radio rock songs with him singing over the top of it. It's just—it's dull. I'm sorry, it, it is. It's better
0: than Danny Walsnop's country album now, isn't he? Cause that country album from Danny Morris yeah. not was a really
1: really harsh time. Um, it's not as good as Danny War Bluesy. It's not. Southside Johnny type. It's not. Thing. He's it's a, not.
0: I really that was a good album. That was
1: better than Corey Taylor's though. It's Miles yeah. Kennedy's album. I think is better than Corey
0: Taylor's. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, In Stride, Sam. <laughs> it's got that kind of smoky country bar riff running through it, uh, and you know, there is something to it, you know, the whole concept of the slack of vocals on that song is like kind of imagined quite well by Miles, but I think In Stride would probably be the best song that was on Danny Warsop's country album, though not quite a compliment, that is. What I should say, Sam, is that I, only when I started really reading through the album press and that stuff, did I realise that uh, Miles is playing guitar on this, which... I didn't know he had such an ability for. Now year of the tiger was like a more acoustic um solo album from his. But I wasn't aware that actually you know he's quite an accomplished guitar player isn't he? I mean there's no real guitar sections. There's a few good solos on this album but there's no real guitar sections that really make me feel like I, I don't sit. think he's
1: playing the solos. I think he's just
0: doing rhythm in acoustic. Right, okay. So, I, I wouldn't know, to be honest. It says he's playing guitar on this album. Uh, it doesn't say specifically whether he's doing the solos or not. But from the from the album uh, cast listing, uh, it's him. Uh, the drummer is Zaya Udin And the, his bassist slash tour manager is Tim Tornier. And the producer is Michael Basket. So, there's no Hold mention.
2: On.
1: The tour manager is called Tornier. It's his second name. <laughs> his bassist slash manager.
0: I'm not sure whether he manages his tours. I manage
1: tours. What's your name? Uh, Tournier. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that French for tour? <laughs> oh
0: man! Oh no! Team, eh? if, you li- <laughs> if you're listening, team, team, you team, if you're listening, mate, Sam apologises. Anyway, Wait, um, I do. I do. That's the, me. Like. It's, it's listed that he plays guitar on this, so I'm assuming, Sam, he does do the solos. I don't, you know, we don't know. Anyway, some of the solos are legitimately decent on this. What I would say is not legitimately decent, Sam, is the title track, which might be the longest seven minutes of my life. Um, I'm sorry, right, there is literally no need for that to be a seven minute song like i get it, it i understand what it's going for this kind this kind of big sprawling bluesy rock epic but my god sam how long is the how long a listen is the title track on this album jeez
1: if i said to you you can listen to the ides of march again or you can actually read the shakespearean play that this is taken from which one would you do?
0: Undeniably read the Shakespearean plays this is taken from, because I know that would legitimately be interesting, as opposed to the Ides of March, which is not interesting. Um it felt like like a jazz
1: club type, like dry ice, smoky, <sighs> like someone sitting by like a saxophone. And it just felt really, really cheesy. It just really re- did. I was like,
0: you a choir? What's going on here? Here's one for you, Sam. Is it worse than Love Rain Down, though? Because Love oh, that's, Rain that's, that's Down that's is bad. also... <clears throat> Love <laughs> Rain Down, God. Love Rain Down is also pretty bad, but what I've got to say, when that started with that kind of mellow acoustic opening, I thought, oh right, okay, I, I tr- Miles can ab- have, yeah. you know, Miles got a great voice, acoustic Miles song, great, never really gets going, it's literally five minutes and nothing happens, oh, that, God.
1: I think that's the criticism actually of the whole album, Um, I listened to it two hours ago, I couldn't hum a chorus i couldn't do it i couldn't do it there's there isn't a single like grabbing moment a compelling they all feel like album tracks they all feel like if he like if miles Candy was writing an album with slash right and i sat down and slash wrote five tunes and then miles chucked in like five it's like that's all right because slash has written five really good songs with great riffs and solos yeah and then all right miles could have his three little acoustic ditties that people and it feels like it feels a bit like that um and I respect Miles Kennedy and he's a he's a like you said, an accomplished guitarist, an appropriate phrase for him. He's an incredible vocalist. And the fact is that he, he was able to do a eighty percent version of Axel Rose, impression for Guns and Roses, and slash a couple of times, and no one really batted an eyelid, which is, mm. is, is is incredible as is. Um but he needs he needs musicians of a certain quality to be able to write the riffs that take advantage of his voice. Yeah. Because this this is a very good, and if his name wasn't Miles Kennedy, no record label would look at this album.
0: Oh my God, mate! I was I was gonna say this to you. Imagine if this was insert just good vocalist. Yeah. Because Miles Kennedy's amazing. Good. Imagine just a good vocalist doing this. If it was a good, if it was just a good vocalist doing this, me and you would be tearing it apart. And like, if you think we're being harsh now, like the fact it's got Miles Kennedy on it saves so many of these songs. Like, Wake Me When It's Over is, I mean, that song is so boring. It is completely saved by the fact that Miles has got a, a wicked voice. If this was most other vocalists, we would be absolutely annihilating this album because it, it is just, it, it is just so boring. There's one objectively good song on here that I like, and it's called Moonshot. Um. Oh, I didn't it, like that one. It it's, a, it's a bit Clint Eastwood at film at sunset, like, but it's got a good chorus and, you know, some really nice guitar lines in there. So I, I like Moonshot. That's the one song I could say, like, I think is objectively good. But the rest of it is just this kind of coyote, ugly, um, you know, dingy country bar at seven o'clock at night in an old Western film attempt at just boring, bland nothingness, and... Um, Man, I mean, this is a, it's a long time, isn't it, this album. In fact, one of the notes I've got here for a song called Sifting Through the Fire is See Above, <laughs> because above, the note I wrote for "Wonderlust" was, it's just alright, isn't it? Decent little acoustic number, nice little tribal guitar sound, nothing else. <laughs> and for Sifting Through the Fire, I put C Above, because this album is just so one-geared, it is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I I I did the same sort. of did the same sort of thing. Specifically, the fire. I said the opening riff sounds like the original Top Gear theme. Songs that play back, songs that play in the background of mid-afternoon American dramas. Perfectly okay solo. And it's just, it was just, it's just six. It's it's, it's it's five out of ten. But Miles Miles Kennedy's voice maybe gives it an extra point. Yeah, or I, I point completely or like agree. It's music that's meant to be ignored. Like if this was playing in, if, if this was playing in the bathroom of a hard rock cafe,
0: yeah,
1: that's, that's what the music is. It's like generic rock music, or like when we talked about before, or like the music that play on the menus of Guitar Hero, album, yeah. uh, Guitar Hero games, yeah, like unlicensed music that could just like some random studio and like has just put together, or something they'd put in the background of Gran Turismo games or something. That's what this feels like. I'm sorry, Miles, Miles. I really love you, man. Like, you're a fantastic vocalist, but please, please, call your ex-band mates and and do stuff there, please.
0: Yeah, this is a decent record performed by an incredible vocalist. It is entirely inconsequential, this album is. It's the kind of album that I will never, ever listen to again and not think twice. But it's something that Miles probably fancied throwing his hat at. Why not? uh, um, Alterbridge... You know he's not doing anything with Alter Breach not doing anything with Slash we're in the middle of a pandemic he's had extra time at home why not? he's absolutely earned the right to do something that he just fancies giving a go for a while so if Miles Candy's your musical hero this album's not going to do anything to change that he will still be your musical hero after this but if you're if you're somewhere like... like I like Alter Bridge. I don't love them. I massively respect Alter Bridge. I massively respect Miles Kennedy, but I don't love either of them. So this album, to me, was a long, long listen. <laughs> Nothing but decent, at best. Sam, to close out the show for my interview with Daz from the Bangers and Mosh podcast, hopefully comes in, depending on whether we actually get a chance to do that tomorrow, we are going to finish off on The Devil Wears Prada, their new EP, Z2, which obviously stands for Zombie 2. It's out on May 21st via Solid State Records, and it's the follow-up to 2010's wildly popular Zombie EP, but is chronologically the follow-up to 2019's The Act. Sam, I don't know whether you were on Twitter the night that this was announced, but I've rarely seen Metalcore Twitter go into the kind of frenzy, the likes of which it did, when this EP was announced. Uh, a lot of fans hold that first zombie EP. As like the greatest 20 minutes. Of the Devil Wears Prada's career. I actually don't personally agree. I think that zombie is great. But I would take. Danger Wildman. Um, assistant to the Regional Manager. Des Moines. And Ben Has A Kid. Which are all from. Um, with Roots Above and Branches Below. I'd take them as a collective. Over. Over. Zombie EP. Um, still, the EP is seen as wi- wildly as a real heart favorite of the fan base. Sam, were you big on Zombie?
1: Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, um, I remember hearing it in like 2011 and just absolutely kicking off. Yeah, it's 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 tremendous. It's a land, it's a landmark release for the genre at that time, no doubt.
0: Dude, you know me. I love to drop some stats in to remind people how big metalcore was in the late 2000s, early 2010s. I, I find it absolutely fascinating how big it was and that... Drop them numbers. And that, man, honestly, if you think, like, the surge of new American heavy metal was big, it was nowhere near as big in terms of sales as the metalcore explosion late 2000s, early 2010s. Here we go, Sam. Uh, with Roots Above got 11th on the Billboard 200. Uh, Zombie got 10th. and EP got 10th. Um, Dead Throne, which is the follow up to Zombie, which has got my favourite David West prior song on Sam. Do you remember Mammoth? Every time we were doing pre-drinks, she'd be like, "You're off. gonna put Mammoth on, Chris." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love Mammoth. Um, that came. <laughs> that came tenth. The follow up to that, eight eighteen, came twentieth. Transit Blues, which was the record that, if I remember correctly, Sam, you kind of gave a bit of a trouncing to in your review, and you were like the only person that did so. But Transit Blues came fifty sixth. And the latest album, The Act, came I like 70th. I think I contributed to that, lower. <laughs> and the latest album, The Act, came 70th on the Billboard 200. Now, let me please make clear that this is not me knocking the Devil Wears Prada. This is not me saying they are now a small band or that they're not very good. Devil Wears Prada are absolutely easily one of the best bands to burst out of that metalcore bubble of the late 2000s, early 2010s, and I think they are great. However... My point being that that boom period for what we refer to as modern metalcore was really incredible, and just unlike most other things we have seen in alternative music. Uh, And as we can see from the numbers, it did not quickly die out because, what, seven years after Dead Throne came out, they went from 10th to 70th in the Billboard 200. Multitude of factors, people buy less albums, all that kind of stuff. I just think the statistics are interesting. Um, Sam, was it Transit Blues that you kind of gave a knock to? It was, yeah. Yeah. 2016, 2017
1: era.
0: Yeah, 2016 Transit Blues came out, you are correct. Um, You ever seen Devil West Pride Alive, Sam? No. Right. I feel like the stats I was just reading off there actually translates quite well to the atmosphere I've seen when I when I've caught them live. I saw Devil West Prada in twenty twelve. Uh they were at Slam Dunk and believe me when I say that was insane. It was one of the it was they were the best act I saw that year. It was like literally in like unbelievable one of the most insane, like dangerous crowds I've ever been in. Um, then I caught them in twenty nineteen as a ma- as a main support to Stray from the Path. Uh, they had Gideon and Loth on that bill as well. And they weren't bad. And they weren't ignored during the set. But it all just kind of paled in comparison to when I saw them in 2012. So, with that, Sam. The act was seen as an album that was somewhat divisive amongst the fan base. Because they were trying new things. More melodious. Uh, some experimentation. Coincidentally, uh, the act actually gave them the song Chemical, which, if the press notes here are to be believed, is their first song to make real US radio. Interesting side note, considering that the act is the album of theirs that's done, in terms of sales, the worst in the last 11 years, but is the one that's given them the the song that goes onto US radio. Go figure. Sam, let me ask you a question. If the act did seem to alienate some... Is Zombie Two a conscious decision to try and bring fans back in, or do you think this is something they plan to do regardless?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I think if you look based on listening to it, it does sound like the la- um, the former, doesn't it? Where it's an attempt to placate um, fans, um, or at least try and retouch on old popularities. Um, bands really tend not to do sequels of albums decades after. Uh, most most bands tend to you know that's that's a point in time for us we're going to move forward um only bands like legacy bands that do like reissues and add stuff and and studio outtakes and things like that are really sort of flitting through old old recordings only those sort of bands are doing things like this so it does feel devil wears pride are attempting to reconnect with an audience that they feel that they might have lost and obviously the numbers an anecdotes about fan intensity as it appear to it appear to back that up it does feel like um an attempt at that but just to touch on it when you listen to it it does it doesn't sound like zombie though it's it's not the same it's not the same style they haven't tried to re fit that it, mm. it does it's not it's not it's not with the same intensity really at all
0: it's bloody good though Winnie. Oh, i think this is great
1: yeah, I think this is good. I, I do. I don't think it's great. I, I think it's. I think it's good. I think it. This feels. This feels. Um, feels a bit like them, I guess, in the way that it's. It's good in parts, in the way that it's a nostalgic trip at times for that band, and it's heavy and it's groovy and it's got some really really terrific little moments and riffs. And I'm glad to hear that this metalcore version of them still exists. Um, but if I took these four or five songs and said, "All right, would you take these four against the best four uh, from?" Counterparts or North Lane's last last album, you'd probably say no. Um and that's the way that I feel about it. It's good. It's good. Um Is it better than is it better than anything that's come out of modern metalcore in the last sort of two years? No, would you take the last misery signals over it? I would. Last Currents, pick four songs from there, I would too. Um so of Mice and Men, I, I'd even take the last Laces of Mice and Men EP. I think that was better than this. Um that being said, I do think it's very good. Um, I just think that Modern Metalcore has moved on a little bit. I really, really do. This doesn't feel as special or as intense or as interesting or guttural as the first one did. I guess that's an unfair expectation. But then when you compare it to what Metalcore is like in 2021, I don't feel like it matches up to those expectations either. Um, So that's my feelings on it. I think it's very, very good. But following something that's very great in 2010 in Zombie... I do feel it's left a little to, to be desired, personally.
0: Well, I do. I think this is great. I think this is, in terms of the Devil Wears Prada at their best, I don't think this is Devil Wears Prada at their best. I think with Roots of Brother and Branches Below is is peak Devil Wears Prada. I think that album is one of the best metalcore albums ever ever made and it it's absolutely brilliant, especially in modern metalcore. But I, I think it's not me personally... I don't think it's that far off than being the best. I mean, mate, Nightfall, similar to Escape on Zombie 1, comes absolutely flying out the box, block, sorry, that kind of harsh tuning. My Chronica sounds as cutting as ever, and it's got this really, like, visceral tempo, Like, what I loved, uh, I was really clever about Zombie 1, is how it really lived within its concept. And, like, there was the radio message at the start of... I forgot which song off the top of my head. It comes in. But the radio message saying, like, the only way you can kill these by shooting through the head. You know, we're overrun. If you see one, you know, you've got to act quickly, all that kind of stuff. Um, And they've kind of reimagined that for this. Not necessarily exactly in the same concept. This is... uh, They've kind of... Pitched this EP and written it around. They're no longer like in the concept of the the outbreak has just happened. Now they're kind of surviving the aftermath of the outbreak just happening. And um, but in, on night there's lyrics like "Is the night? Is this the night of our demise? Can you make it till dawn?" They've you know the closing breakdown call is they rise at night. They've really brought back into the concept, and I thought that was one of the really cool things about the first zombie EP. And, as well, Nightfall is an absolute horrible, harsh, banging metal track. And I really, really like that. Um, Forlorn's got this big, harsh slam riff. Jeremy DePuyster, who's always been great at adding cleans into Devil Wears Prada. Um, He is a brilliant ivory to Mike's ebony. And whatever you want to say about the act... I don't think the vocal harmonies that exist, specifically on Forlorn, but also on Contagion, on this EP as well, would be there, or would, as work, or would work as well, or be produced as well, without them having the experience of writing with more accessibility in mind. Um, there's a big North style riff that runs through this track as well. I think the one, the, the one track where I agree with you, Sam, is "Termination." That for me just it, weirdly, that's like one of the single uh, release from the EP. I think, uh, but that for me is just like is just inoffensive, decent metalcore, doesn't really ruin the experience, but it's just there. Um, and I think the song that closes out the EP, "Contagion," is great. Soft vo- vocal lines that open might that's might scare people hearing that considering some people like think chemical is you know like kind of sacrilege for what devil wears prada do but the vocal lines are open contagion are like really gentle and soft and great and they reoccur throughout which is really beautifully done and it switched back, it switches back into this kind of more classic devil wears prada style which works really well there's a chug behind the vocal line observe the sickness before the pitch turns into the high screen which is so harsh and it's what Devil Wears Pride have always been brilliant at doing. I think your CP is really, really great. Sam, I'm surprised actually, I thought you would be all over this. Um, I thought specifically Nora is what would get you because that's, that's where Mike is really let loose. I thought that's a song that would have you like really love gritting teeth. Actually, that was the
1: one I wanted to talk about. Is the there it highlights. is. Yeah, there it yeah. is. I thought so. It is the highlights. Um, it's the chorus riff as a breakdown style riff with them sort of screaming over the top of it. It's, it's just terrific, isn't it? It's got, it's got groove. It's got brutality. It's got, it's got some real aggression and intensity. And I wish that that was, that was the 20 minute experience. Um, and it shows me that obviously they're there more than capable of still writing this, it's brutal, impactful metalcore style and the, the musicians should be still absolutely there. Um, i don't like i said i really agree i don't think this is bad at all i think this is really really good i'm just saying that it's i think it's not as good as what modern metalcore is in 2021 right now and i also don't think it's as good as its previous iteration the same name that's all um but i still think this is a very very good ep um and i think there are lots of great moments on it i agree with you i think nightfall and nora for me are the two the two highlights of this and i think the other two i can take or leave and, and not be not because of the melody necessarily in contagion i'm fine with it um i just prefer the other two i am interested to see actually if the band now move on from this because it's a one-off mm, It'd
0: see this is interesting i'm very Friends. curious
1: ah very curious go now? yeah man
0: so in 2022 2023 when the next album comes out very curious to see what that album sounds like um sam if you hated the act do you think this is an ep that could win back faith
1: a little yeah yeah if, if i'm a am a huge devil wears prada fan and i love the early stuff then i'm absolutely buzzing that they're doing this sort of thing again and i can as a fan will be able to talk myself into that this is the sign of things to come with them um i don't think it is though personally i think the fact that they've named it zombie Two two um shows that we're okay doing this type of stuff under this banner as a reference to what we used to be but we're not going to write an album of this. This feels very much like post-human survival horror from Bremi the Horizon on a smaller more micro way where it's like we'll do that for a bit. It's a nice thing to do over the summer. You know we spent a few months doing this bits and bobs. We've got these, got these heavy riffs. Have that if you like. There you go. Um, but when a real devil wears pride writing session rolls back down it's going to be a continuation of our this feels like a of our main part of our band this feels like a side quest you know it's just this little separate plot line um, that's different or running alongside their main musical influences and ambitions so I would be able to talk myself into it as a fan but I can't see them touring z 2 just can't see it I will see them releasing another album and doing that tour and then fans shouting for zombie EP tracks, or Z2 tracks from the set list, which I assume many Devil Wears Prada fans have been doing for a decade anyway. So I, I can I see it changing the situation for Devil pride Prada moving forward? No, unless it's a, just a smash hit and it just somehow gets top 20 and then they have to do something about it. Other than that, I can't, sadly. I don't personally think it necessarily
0: needs to change the game for oh, uh, got- Devil Wears Prada because I think whatever you think of the act, which came out in 2019, whatever you think of it, fair play to Devil West Prada for taking the chance and doing something different. That's awesome. I love that. Um, And I I think that Devil West Prada can do whatever they want because they're they're a great band and they're one of the best of that uh, late 2000s, early 2010s bubble. And I think that I believe that If you weren't big on the act I think you'll be really big on this um, I'm really behind this I think it's a really really great EP Um, Would I take it over Of Mice and Men's Timeless That is interesting Mice and Men's Timeless Was only three songs Um, I think just about I would And I really like Timeless I really like Timeless By Mice and Men So I think just about I would Coincidentally uh, We're going to be reviewing Of Mice and Men's Next EP On our upcoming episode uh, so that actually is where we should leave off before my interview with Daz comes in. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you are still with us, we appreciate that. We are going to be back in two weeks' time. We've got a massive, massive schedule for that one again. We're going to be doing uh, Noctool, that is Serena Cherry's band. We're going to be doing Rise Against new record. And we're going to be doing, as I just mentioned, of Mice and Men's new EP as well. So a big episode that. that. Um, my interview with Daz from Bangers and Mosh podcast should be coming up right now in the event that it did actually happen. Thank you for listening. Uh, please give us a subscription or follow us, whichever service you are using. Um, b- be sure to follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. And we are going to be back in two weeks' time. Don't go anywhere. My interview with Daz comes up right now. We'll see you in two weeks. We love you. Bye. So I'm now joined by Daz, who is one third of the Bangers and Mosh podcast. Mate, I messaged you randomly on a Thursday night, see if you could do this, and you turned up for me, mate. What a legend. Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. As I said, glad to be here. Thanks for uh, reaching out, mate. I really appreciate it.
0: Mate, like, you're here, and you've had your head tattooed yesterday, so if I was you, mm. mate, I- I'd be lying in bed, and I wouldn't be considering even the thought of having, That's... like, earphones he- around right my head, eh, was it?
2: Yeah, it was all right. Actually, mate, it was all right to me. That's why I got this beanie hat on. It's actually quite hot in here, but... um. I don't want to get into it. has been getting stuck to my headphones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's fucking savage, man. That, so, yeah, that's rough. I've got a beanie over it. Um, but as it goes, yeah, tattoo wise, it was just, it was, um, it was actually one of the easier ones I've had, actually, believe it or not. Really?
0: it looks yeah. wicked. I should say that. It looks absolutely mint. Um, but it also painful. looks like horrendously, horrendously painful. Like I, I, the, the, <laughs> the, line, the line work on your temple, mate, nah, no chance, I'm out.
2: No, it kind okay. of, it kind of, it kind of feels alright. Like it has its moments, but like I, I, that was like pretty relaxing at times. I was like completely chill, man. It was alright. No way.
0: Um, i um the last tattoo I had was uh, I had my chest finished, and my chest, oh, my chest bone. It was oh. it was bad. I'm I'm um I'm one of them guys that's like I say to my tattooist under no circumstances stop because if you stop then I'll I'll, I'll probably I might quit. You know, if you give me too much time without suffering, I might be like, oh, I don't want to do it again. So um, I, I just keep going through, keep going through. But on my chest bone, that's probably the closest I've ever come to being like, mate, I can't do this. You're going to have to stop. Yeah. I can't do this.
2: Like, I I just sort of started taking some, like, yeah. I just started taking some, like, mental painkillers, like, ah. I've run out. I've run out of, like, like decent spe- like you know the good space mm. like your arms and that so you're just onto onto the really rough stuff so i just like i just borrow some painkillers off of my mate and i just take like there's only zap hands like nothing like
0: <laughs> nothing Johnny. crazy though. yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's not like morphine or anything but yeah <laughs> that like really that really helps man because i had the first session on my chest and i i had i had taken some zap at night and it was kind of all right but i forgot it the second time mm. oh my god mate unbelievable
0: yeah um like nothing i've ever felt before like i spoke to people who haven't had a tattoo and like i try and explain it but until that needle's in your skin it's really really difficult to actually explain to someone what it feels like man it is literally like hell on earth depending yeah. on the area it is like hell on earth.
2: <laughs> yeah you've got like all your in i can see you've got all your inside of your arm and your elbow yeah it's mate pretty, it's pretty blocked up as well must yeah be- Brutal, man. The um, yeah. this the, the skin on the crease
0: of my arm. Uh, I've got full black shade in there. Um, and that was that was like because it, it's the thinnest part. It was actually funny enough. It's the part I was worried about the least of my arm, but because the skin's obviously so thin there. Obviously it, it hurts the mouse because you there's less barrier to the pain. Uh, that was another one where I was close to tap it out actually. I make out on this like big geese that's got through all these tattoos, but I nearly tap it out every single time. Yeah man <laughs> you
2: know, the, the worst one I had was like on my knee. Like when they did my mm. knee, like I was on my sick man, like I just came home. Um I can't even remember if I took any painkillers for that, but like I just came home and I went straight to bed for like a day. Like I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, dude, like it sucked.
0: Mate, I even um, I say like I know you. Obviously, you know theoretically, I put that in quotation marks. I think mm. I first you know Twitter classic. I came across your account. I think your bio like back then because I think I followed you for about a year or so. I think your bio yeah, back yeah. then was something like I love metal and I hate Nazis, <laughs> uh, and I take <laughs> and, and I take pictures. I was like this guy seems wicked man. I want to see what he gets up to. Um, yeah. And obviously since then. I've noticed like you like a real really passionate about metal like you're not just a fan like you really care and I think the the one of the things that I really appreciate about yourself is that I mean yes Pete there's lots of people that love metal but there's there's lots of people that talk about Maiden Slayer Metallica and Anthrax all the time and as great as they are. Dude, there were like, that's like forty years ago. Like it's the new sure. stuff. It's the new stuff that we need to try and bump up there. So that's one of the things that really drew me to wanting to chat to you. And we're gonna get oh, into Facebook. we're gonna get into like bangers and mosh um, uh, towards cool. the end here. But I figured like a decent place to start with just to be asking you, what was your when did you first get into music more so than just it's on in the background while you're playing with your toys when you're a kid like what was your first musical experience where you realized oh I actually really like music this is cool I want to go out of my way to listen to this
2: um yeah like I think um well it's just like it started like when I was like a kid really like like I had when I had a paper round um one of my one of the older guys that was like in the shop, like he he had like Sepultura like written on his bike frame, but I didn't know how to even say it. Like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. even know. Like I was like, what does that mean? Like, and he was like, oh, it's Sepultura. So he like hooked me up with a tape um of like just some of that sort of stuff, like Sep and, you know, Slayer and all that sort of stuff. So I started just listening to that really, but it wasn't until sort of, you know slipknot really came along i think for me and then that was just it mate like i was just that was it like it was just a full-on like, proper invested you know what i mean mm. um
0: so you started on sepultura and slayer that was your like introduction
2: yeah it's really oh, weird was? because like Whoa. yeah the other the other two guys yeah and a lot of other people have like a really they have like a kind of a traditional sort of if you like to put it that way uh, upbringing in, into sort of metal where they're in, introduced like through Iron Maiden and yeah, yeah. Metallica and I, I never had that. Like I I skipped them two bands. Like I've never really listened to them to be honest with you. Crazy. Yeah, that is, is crazy. crazy. <laughs> like, because I, so much,
0: yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, me and my co-host Sam, we oh. always say, like, no one's first favourite metal band is Morbid Angel, but as it turns out, yeah. <laughs> maybe yours was, because I came yeah. in. I came into extreme music literally completely opposite to you. So I started on the pop punk stuff, so like, right. All Time Low, then A Day to Remember, then Parkway yeah. Drive, then Whitechapel, then Cannibal Corpse. So like, I started literally on the complete other end. Uh, and that's where And that how I've got to now But for you For like Your first one It's like Here's Sepultura and Slayer And for you to be like Kind of into it That is astonishing Because you could not have Given me Slayer first I would have thrown it back at you And been like What is this Do you know what I mean
2: Yeah it was It was really weird Because like I never had a like a, I haven't ever had Like any musical Like My family's not very Musically orientated So like My mum used to just listen to like Belinda Carlisle and stuff Do you yeah. know what I mean So it was actually like my peers and my friends that kind of like got me into metal um you know but like uh, i mean after that it was the new met it was the new metal kickoff you know with your corn and your limp biscuit and that so it was like mainly just straight into that um as well but you know slipknot was where it all fucking kicked off really
0: was Without me asking you two personal question, how old were you when that debut record came out? Oh, the self-titled. Well, I say debut. It made cool um, people but The self-titled album.
2: Sure, like I'm. A, well, I'm like thirty-six now. So I mean.
0: So you were I like in you were like in secondary school. Kind of school. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember being in secondary school. Yeah, kind of towards the end of it. Did you, because when I was,
0: I was, I was in, I don't mean to make you feel old, but I was in primary school when Slipknot, when (laughs) when Slipknot self titled album came out. Um, And, you know, I was, I was like a child, like, you know, so I, when I see like a Slipknot hoodie, even at the age of like seven or eight, I'd be like, that looks scary. Like, I don't like the look of that. But were you like in as soon as like six, as soon soon as six starts, you're like, this is amazing
2: i was so in like it was kind of ridiculous like really now when you think now we're talking about it and i'm having to reflect a bit on it it is absolutely mental but i was such i was so fucking into it like i remember like buying kerrang and do you remember like they used to have like a super fan of the mm, month or whatever yeah and there'd yeah. be some kid in his bedroom and the whole thing would be decked out so like i basically like did that like my whole room was covered in slipknot flags slipknot posters, i had like the replica jumpsuit like just a lot i know- Authorised biographies The lunchbox, I've got the metal lunchbox So um, sick And I went to see him in 2000 and, 2002 was my first like major gig like My first big show like And it was a Slipknot disaster piece so I've still oh, got like, one of the bootleg hoodies In my oh. drawer Mate, yeah, that's the, what the, I wouldn't the, give the, the, the Brighton date was after my birthday like On my birthday, pretty much Was the date so Mate, was, like, that is perfect. insane
0: um, what do you think of Slipknot's yeah. career? What do you think of Slipknot's career trajectory in terms of uh, quality of albums post Subliminal Verses? Because I, I actually, I think We Are Not Your Kind is really good. I think, you know, obviously it's not Iowa level. Obviously, you know, obviously, it's not, but I think it's a really good album. What do you yeah. think of their
2: career trajectory? I like so I sort of zoned out of Slipknot a bit. Like I went, do you know what I mean? Like I picked, I picked them up, and they took me to Subliminal Verses and then kind of after that I like, was just like onto other stuff like other bands and that really and I kind of missed um, what's that bloody record and that that they did the Car- oh The Grey oh, chapter. chapter I missed The Grey Chapter yeah like, yeah the one before that as well All Hope Is Gone but, um, yeah that's it like, so I missed I missed them too um, but then I came back in on We Are Not Your Kind Car- I really liked it I thought it was a great record
0: were you listening <laughs> you know, had you fell the- out
2: of I loved it
0: had you fell out of love with metal at that time where you weren't listening to Slipknot? Or was it just that you were you were focusing on another area um, of, of metal altogether?
2: Yeah, I think, like, because I was kind of, like... Like, as I was growing up, like, I was getting into, like... I wasn't... Like, I didn't... I had, like, separate groups of friends. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I had, like, a metal lot of kind of mates. And then I had, like some like i would imagine like i don't know what you would probably call them nowadays but you know they're probably like, more like clubbing sort of types like right. into hip-hop so i like, went quite quite far down that route for quite a while Like while i was going at, going out into clubs and stuff like that it's um, interesting you mentioned so, yeah, that I actually really fall out of love a bit, but...
0: sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you then um it's interesting you mentioned that because um there's there, I listen to a few music podcasts um, and a few people I've heard say that that late 2000s and the early 2010s, they kind of stopped paying attention to metal because they didn't feel like anything great was happening. And ironically, that was when you had like the quote unquote modern metalcore boom, right? Where of Mice and Men Turn Up, Devil Wears Prada, right. Sleeping Sleep with Sirens, Pierce the Veil. Um, you know, some of those bands are, are very, you know, I, I love the Devil Wears Prada. I'm a big of Mice and Men fan. Some of the bands are awful. <laughs> you know, Pierce the Vale aren't a good band. Yeah. Sacred Sirens aren't a good band. Do you think that's where your interest had completely gone? Because you had kind of picked up on this sea change that was no longer interesting?
2: Yeah, definitely. 100%, mate. Like, I was just completely, like, not into that sort of stuff. Um, it's quite funny, actually, because I've got, like, a friend that started work with me, like, a little while ago, and he's a bit younger. Um, and he grew up, like with that do you know i mean like mice of mice and men Mm. asking Alexander another one and he was just like oh and i was just like what the fuck is this (laughs) like i mean because obviously i grew up with like parkway drive and kill switch engage and that so yeah so i'm kind of glad that i kind of missed all that really to be honest with you
0: it's interesting isn't it how like for me like listening now because i think i think i spoke to you about this before you're, like, a fan of, like, the classic metalcore era, and not I don't mean, like, Kill Switch and As I Lay Dying, I mean, like, Poison the Well and Botch and Converge, like, and now there's a group of bands coming through now that are sounding like that, uh, which is interesting, it's come, like, full circle yeah. now, the kind of modern metalcore thing that was happening in the early 2010s, that has been completely ditched now and that's like been thrown in the dirt and we're going back to like botch and converge uh, which I think is amazing Look, I-, I-, I love Poison the Well and they're like they're incredible as the opposite of December is like one of the best albums and that oh we spoke oh, about the debut sh- Misery mate. Signals album we spoke about yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we, we did yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting is it how it's coming full circle
2: that is a good point actually that is a very good point like um, you know you've got like bands like Dying Wish mm. and Renounced um, you know doing that sort of thing and it's great to see, really, because I think a lot of people probably, well, they obviously miss that, but I think a lot of people don't tend to sort of always go back, do you know what I mean, and check out the bands that helped influence what it became.
0: So, we obviously now you're well back in. Um, what was the artist or maybe album that made you think, hang on, metal's amazing again, metal's really interesting, um, what was it? Who got you back in?
2: Um, That's an interesting question, really. Uh, I don't even really know what happened, to be honest with you. um, I just sort of started going back to, like, started hanging out more with my metal friends again. Mm. And that's kind of like when I just sort of started get, getting back into it and just listening to newer stuff. But, like, I mean, since we've been... I've just gone, like, nuclear since we started the podcast, to be mm. honest with you. Like, we've listened to, to music, but before then, it wasn't... Like, I was still listening to it, obviously, but it wasn't as, like, you know, we're going through, like, a real golden era at the moment, particularly yeah. with death metal, like, mm. at the minute, like, where it's just everything's so fucking great right now. You know? Um, so, You're a
0: big Malev fan, aren't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, big time, yeah.
0: I I, I expected you to say that... uh they were the band that got you back in because they came out in like 2014, 2015 uh, and they're amazing. Sure. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous yeah. band. Like, it's, like it really bothers me. I'm kind of 50-50 with malevolence. Like, I'd love them to be massive but I don't want them to be massive because you catch them in that 150 cap venue and it's it's like nothing you've ever seen but they deserve to be bigger. It's like I'm constantly torn yeah. between which one I want for them because they're, they're so good. Um, where do you, where do you, can I ask you what you think
2: about Download Festival? Down, it, does download it appeal to you at all? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, it kind of does, but, like, my friends always, like, this will fucking flip your nut as well. Like, I've never been to a festival. I oh, right, whoa, no way. It's just sort of... Yeah never like it's just because like i'm just such a bitch like i'm just such a light sleeper like there's just no, no I, way like i could manage it like i just can't i mean i'd have to do middle class download you know what i mean i'd have yeah. to go and get like a a, a a premiere in with lenny henry and that like to be able to cope
0: that's good
2: um um but you know apart from that i think it's a good thing isn't it like download i think it's a great great shout
0: the reason why i've asked you about it um is because. I think that there's a lot of emphasis on the lineup of Download and how that reflects the current state of alternative music. Because, I mean, let's call it what it is. Sure. The Download is like the Premier League table, isn't it, of metal bands? Like, if, you yeah. know, Kiss and Iron Maiden, they, they, they headline Download because they're at the top, aren't they? Like, they've just got the biggest fan base. So I was curious whether the lineup actually appeals to you because it, it does tend to be like a classic rock festival with some death metal bands on. And I was curious whether you think that's yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened and it, it, it's not doing enough or whether you think it actually does everything it can
2: do. That's a tough one, man. Like, I mean, that, that, another reason why I haven't really gone to a download festival is because of that. Like, the the, the lineups not massively appealing to me. Do you know what I mean? There's mm. a couple of bands that I'd like to see, but I've always sort of thought, like, well... I've either seen them or I'd like to see them in a smaller capacity. Like I like the indoor arenas, you know, yeah. the intimate sort of more intimate shows, really. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they do as best as they can. But at the same time, I'm not 100 percent sure that they kind of have their finger too much on the pulse a lot of the time. Is that is that fair? Does that fair?
0: Yeah, I think I think it I don't is, want man. To kind
2: of diss anyone? But...
0: No, no, no. Yeah. I, think, I think I think that's completely fair. Um, what I tell you, one of the things that. You know, the the time that I realised, man, I'd love to speak to this guy about metal, um, it was just before Architects released, for those that wish to exist, and you tweeted out, like, I don't like this new direction that Architects have gone into, it does nothing for me, but yeah. good for good for them, I hope they get massive yes, off right. this, yeah. make, go and make some money, and I thought, that's, like, I wish so hard that everyone else in the metal scene had that mindset, because... We are—we're really full of elitists, aren't we, in the metal scene? And it's like,
2: yeah, you know, yeah.
0: you know, Parkway Drive did reverence, and they got treated like they, like sacrilege. Like, what do you mean it doesn't sound like Deep Blue. Uh, and I think that's like really damaging, man. <laughs> like, like, I think it's really damaging. Like, you know, Parkway Drive are like massive. Imagine how much bigger Parkway sure. Drive would be if people were like, I hope they do well. It's not for me, but good for them. And. Um, and I think that that conversation is missing so much in metal. And I think that really holds us back, man, that people aren't able to be like, this isn't for me, but good for them. Like, make some money, right, get to UK number one, cool.
2: Yeah, I think people... I just think human beings, as general, just kind of have a hard time of sort of being able to let go of anything. They like to, like, hold on to it, you know what I mean? And especially stuff that's as... That resonates as deeply as music, do you know what I mean? because mm. like, it's hitting all those chords, doesn't it? It sort of makes this brings out these primitive sort of feelings and emotions in you. Um and when the band changes direction and they're no longer sort of like hitting that button for you, you're kind of a bit like a heroin addict, I'd imagine, like being yeah. deprived of their drug. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, fuck all this. I'll tell you what though, a quick story. Um, this is I always mention this as well, like, but um, I saw Parkway Drive on the Killing on the killing with a Smile tour.
0: <laughs> During the Romance's Dead days. Yeah. Love that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. During the Romance's Dead days. And it was literally at some really scruffy pub, like no security, no stage Whoa. or anything. And there was about 50 people there. And it was And I was just chatting to them outside the venue, like, you know what I mean? Because they were just slamming it basically. And yeah. then. Obviously, I caught them at the alley, pal, and like the the difference is unreal, man. I was just like, I saw these guys in a pub.
0: <laughs> hey, mate. To be fair, though, like even then, you listen to Romance Is Dead, you know they've got this band have got something. Like you know, oh, yeah. there's something about this band that's just different. Because uh, yeah. I I think Deep Blue is the best metalcore album modern yeah. metalcore i think it's the best sure. modern metalcore I've ever written man. i think that is just it doesn't get any better than that it's just literally no. banger after banger after banger bang, man it's so good um i'd i, I guess we, i suppose if we fast forward a little bit um because in the year or so that i followed you on twitter it just seemed kind of out of nowhere that one day you posted like i do a podcast now and i was like <laughs> this like okay wicked um the your two co-hosts, uh, I believe is it Jimmy and is it Defa? The other
2: one. Yeah, 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 yeah That's right. true, yeah, that's right. That's
0: Lifelong friends are we?
2: Um Met for mutual mutual friends or yeah, kind of. It's kind of funny because it was the same sort of thing that led us to have this discussion um and, and meet and have a have a chat on here, but we were just sort of like following each other on Twitter. Mm. Um and then we went... I was going to the Every Time I Die show with Vane, and oh, While She Sleeps.
0: Yes, man. And they
2: just rocked up. Like, I'm in the queue and they just kind of rocked up and they are just like, you are all right, mate? Like, And I was just like, oh, all right, guys. And I got them in on my O2 priority because I was like, I've got... You know, we'll just fucking jump this queue and that. So, yeah, we were kind of just mates through Twitter, really.
0: One thing that's, like, really... That I think you should be really proud of and I think it's really cool, man, like... Really, you are just—you're kind of similar to me and Sam. Like, you're just three dudes that like metal. Like, you're not like experts in the industry. You're not like former label executives or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. You're just three dudes that like metal. Just like me and Sam are two are two mates that like metal. Yeah, but you've managed to. Like, and I'm not saying this is kind of any sympathy vote for me and Sam, but much quicker than we managed to. You've mm. managed to get like a legitimate like audience that really cares about what you've got to say, uh, and you've mm. only been going for like what three months, maybe four months. Yeah,
2: it's not. It's not been long, man. It's uh, it's not been long. How
0: have you How have you managed that? Because you've you've already hit over like two thousand listens on Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, Um mate. Really good numbers considering you literally started it three or four months ago. Any specific tactics that you've done, or is it just so happened that? A few people stumbled across you and think you're wicked, and here we go. Um, do
2: you know what? Like, I don't. I'd probably have to put a lot of it down to K K-ma- Man riffs. Do you, do you follow K Man on
0: Twitter? I I see him through Bangs and Mosh a lot. I should follow him actually because he seems to really have his finger on the pulse of yeah, what, he of what really he's doing. Yeah, he
2: really does. Like, I don't know how he manages to do it, but like, he just he's he's incredible with like keeping up with all these new releases from like basically every band that's actually even releasing something but um, I guess we kind of sort of just got involved with him and he just tags us in his post and he's already quite established I mean he's got you know sort of like 8k followers and stuff Mm. so I guess we just got a lot of sort of audience exposure through him really Um, yeah and the fact I guess that there's three of us that kind of run the social media so it's quite easy to to sort of juggle all the balls you know yeah, well, I mean, mate, credit where credits
0: due. There's one thing being given a helping hand by someone who's got a good amount of followers, but you've got to know what you're talking about and have the ability to like engage an audience. And I've listened to quite a few of your monthly roundup um, podcasts, and you, you, it's it, that's why I wanted to talk to you. It's quite sure. clear everyone knows what they're what they're talking about, and mate, like. I was really happy for you when I saw you were getting these interview opportunities like Hell Ripper and Kyle Willett, Carl Willett, and I saw that you had um, a, a conversation, kind of interaction with Trevor from the Black Dahlia murder.
2: Yeah. And that's
0: so, and that's so sick for you guys. By the way, Trevor is an amazing interview. If you,
2: Yeah, it, I listened, it, I've it, listened to your guys, you guys chatting to him. I thought that was incredible. man.
0: He's, he's, a, he's a really good guy, Trevor is. He doesn't need to be, like, he doesn't need to be a good guy because he's Trevor, like, he's Trevor and the Black Dahlia murder. Yeah. He doesn't need to be a good guy. Um, but, my point was that's so cool for you guys that you really just three metal fans. And now like you've spoke to Carl with uh You spoke to hell with I'm sure you've got proper uh, other metal brick road interviews already in the bag, just waiting to be released. Um did, did you kind of feel like, lads, this is so sick. Like we are out nowhere, we We're getting to speak to Carl Willits. Like, this
2: is amazing. <sighs> Mate, honestly, it like literally just blows our blocks off, man. Like it's crazy. Like we, <sighs> I only just reach out to him. Do you know what I mean? Because, like what have you got to lose? Like, mm. like they can say no, and I think that I mean it was Jimmy's idea to start up a podcast. He was saying about it for a long time, and and we sort of just had a text group on WhatsApp, and we were just like, do you know what, like let's do it. Like obviously during the pandemic was a pretty good time to start up because like although the bands are quite busy, I'd assume trying to you know figure out logistics to make new music or what have you, they're also not on the road. For like yeah 12 months of a year you know so every and isolated so it's quite good because everyone can have these discussions that we're having now where you know you can just have a chat with with a mate
0: one of the things that really caught me by surprise um you were talking about uh, how much you were looking forward to burning many mirrors by wild uh, which is an insane mm. album my god that is ridiculous um you would talk about how much you were looking forward to it, and how much you couldn't wait for the album. And uh, Lisa from Hold Tight, who is really one of the best PRs in the game, and she's amazing. She contacted me, and she was like, "Let me know, and I'll send you the album." And it was then that it clicked. it was then that it clicked for me. I was like, "Hang on, these three dudes—they haven't even got the industry insights. Insiders sending them the albums. Do you know what I mean? Like these three yeah, dudes. Mate, like honestly, you're literally you haven't you've amassed this following, and you're not even." on the inside and I was like yeah. this is crazy that they've managed to do this I mean, I'm assuming now possibly you are on the mailing list and you are getting the albums you know, early and we're stuff we're
2: on a lot of mailing lists man it's absolutely bananas mate because honestly like we would just sit there and chat about it and just be like look wouldn't it be nuts like because obviously we knew that people get albums early mm. like you know to review and stuff and I like, oh, wouldn't it be mad if we could get some like big hitters like super early and that and then we're just like next thing you know like we're on like all these mailing lists for all these like labels and stuff it's absolutely mental i never thought it'd be this big dude
0: i i i love that because my route into doing the noise podcast is because i was a writer i was a writer for the website and that's how we obviously i've built up the connections to help us get the albums early and get interviews and stuff but like for yourself like you've just someone's listened and been like you know what yeah i would be happy for our artist to be Uh, spoken about on this podcast and that's probably the you know the best compliment you can receive yeah that's so sick
2: yeah thanks man thanks so much man like you know I just it's literally blown our minds man honestly like crazy stuff
0: are you thinking about like what bangers and mosh could be outside of a pandemic world like do you all live near each other could it be something that you film together or does it does it have to be audio based
2: yeah, I think mainly it'll have to be audio based because I'm like down in Brighton area mm. and they're like up in Watford area. Oh, so yeah, yes. yeah, it's a bit of a shit, but you know, we're going to meet up in London and stuff like that, and obviously gigs and stuff like that. Um so yeah.
0: Your your Obic Road series um you've done is it 3 that you episodes that you've actually released of it or is it 2? Y-
2: yeah, 3. I think we've done 3
0: have you got many more in the bag as we speak obviously we, i'm not gonna don't yeah, reveal anything yeah. i'm just curious <laughs> have <laughs> yeah. you got any like done and dusted yeah. that are ready to go
2: no but we have got some that are lined up ready to to be recorded with guests and stuff
0: you're kind of just sitting in the space where it's all still really really exciting though yeah and i think the best thing about that you can't do this unless you're really passionate about it, because you know, mm. if, if, even from our perspective, like we've got a we've got a bit of a following, like. But yeah, you got not quite a
2: lot on your uh, on 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 the. Uh... On your Twitters and that.
0: Yeah, we've got a bit of a following, but nothing major. I mean, it's nothing that we're not we're not gonna challenge anyone, you know, any of the big hitters like we're not gonna challenge Metal Hammers podcast or anything like that, we're not looking to. But because like dude, at the end of the day, I love Metal Man. Like we on the episode this is this interview is gonna be on the episode, we talk about new Devil Wears Prada EP I love Metalcore, I love Devil Wears Prada. So like it doesn't really matter to me. Obviously every fan wicked and I love you if you're listening, but I love this anyway. So for you, is that the same? The, it oh, doesn't feel like yeah. a podcast, you love doing this anyway? So yeah, a job, 100%, like.
2: mate. That's why, like, you know, you, you guys are, like, so successful and, like, we're getting there as well, like, you know what I mean? Because we don't really care. Like, I think you just, with your mates chatting about metal, like, I mean, we all just said, like, even if if no one listens to it, it doesn't really bother us, like,
1: mm.
2: you know what I mean? It's just having that chat, in it, and just enjoying yourself, really. Well, at the end of the day, it's the chat you would have had at the pub Anyway Like
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would yeah. Me and Sam Are like best mates I would speak to him At our local metal club About this anyway We may as well Just put a mic In front of us And see if anyone listens You know Some people yeah. might enjoy
2: it Some people might not That's the way it is Yeah and obviously They do quite enjoy it You know what I mean Because you can't Go wrong with it Can you A couple of mates Just being You know Because there's no There's no Like sense of um, You know It's not superficial Like no. false Or anything like that It's just Everyone loves yeah. The metal
0: I'm gonna um I'm gonna let you enjoy your evening and close off the interview in a minute. Just one thing before that. Um what do you think of Fortitude by Gajira?
2: G- <laughs> fucking hell. Right, so I've I've listened to it and I wasn't a massive fan, but this'll <laughs> this will blow your head off, mate, because yeah, I'm agree. not even a massive Gajira fan. Right, okay i know oh, right, right. Like, no just, i've been sat there on twitter just like fuck me do i put something out <laughs> like that or not because i know like everyone's just gonna be like you're a dickhead <laughs> um but the the other two can't believe it makes so they're just like you need to listen to these two you know from mars to Sirius or whatever i'm kind of listening to it. i'm just like it just it's not working for me man
0: well i mean terra incognita which is like the album that in 2001 that is a death metal mm. album that is mate mm. like from Master Serious uh, Is a bit more expansive Terror Incognita Is a, is a death metal album mate Like in sure. every, every sense of the word So if you You know for yourself I, I see how much you love death metal Like Absolutely If you're going to jump in anywhere mate I would do it there The reason why I asked you right. Is because they're the band of the moment Aren't they Like, like you said Everyone is talking about Gajira you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I love Gajira And it, it does look like If any new modern metal band Is going to Challenge Like The big boys at the top gujira might be it oh, um, oh it's definitely
2: them 100 percent, isn't it like they're, they're huge
0: um, um is it a thing that like you've listened and they don't do it for you or you just haven't listened enough
2: well I, I probably would say it might be the latter like i think it's probably that i haven't really listened enough um to be fair but i'll definitely will end up going back and listen to to some more Gojira but obviously the releases are just coming so bloody thick and fast yeah. at the minute like you don't really get a chance like do you know what I mean
0: um, <laughs> just before I get into the last piece of the interview mate um, I saw you talking to uh, one of our mutual Twitter followers um, the other day about Cruelty's album um, There Is yeah. Now God Where I Am have you listened to it yet?
2: I haven't gotten right oh, to it mate, yet it's,
0: hey. oh, we were talking about Convergent Botch earlier mate oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the real stuff man it's, uh, they ain't no fake cruelty It's good oh, I mate, think you'll sick. dig it
2: man Yeah I totally will I'll def- It's on the list mate I'll definitely do it That list
0: is like 200 bands long Because oh, everyone's God. doing The amazing album Yeah Totally um, Mate Every uh, Chris Meets interview that I do, I finish off with a quick fire round of twenty questions, uh, of which to see how quickly you can answer them. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got a little league table going. I'm just setting up my timer here as we speak. I've got okay. a little league table going, uh, and at the moment, uh, Ricky Roper from Asaya, the vocalist of Asaya, um, sure. he he did this in one minute and thirty seconds, which is like insane. I can't believe he managed it. Um, <laughs> and uh, by the way, like that Osaya album is absolutely ridiculous as well. If you haven't. To that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's like, on
2: the list too. Yeah. Those,
0: it's like great, too. Phew, mate, it's like the most insane, furious death call. Like, it's so, uh, brilliant. Um, so what I'm going to do, mate, uh, I'm going to get when you're ready, I'm going to get my timer going, uh, and I'm okay. going to ask you 20 questions and we're going to see how quickly you can answer them, bro. Okay, go on, then. let's go. <laughs> Give
2: it a whack, yeah.
0: Batman or Superman? Batman. Tea or coffee?
2: Neither. Uh, best time of the day? Four o'clock, same time from work. Bolt Thrower or Death I told, I, was, I told you I was going to do this It was going to be Bolt Thrower I was thinking about it today I was like Bolt Thrower
0: uh, Maiden or Metallica I know you said you don't really listen to either But Maiden or Metallica Metallica I'll take Metallica Star Wars or Star Trek Star Wars Soap Opera is good or bad uh, Bad uh, Your favourite album
2: of all time uh, Converge Jane Doe Sick uh,
0: Your favourite song of all time that's a tough one, on no? that.
2: That is a well tough one um, I've got no idea, I'm blanking
0: Yeah, that's a tough one, just drop on you Everyone gets <laughs> caught out by that one uh, Ketchup or Maya? Ketchup Marvel or DC? Marvel Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Oh, Lord of the Rings uh, Your favourite album of the year so far?
2: Uh, it's White Band and Many Mirrors
0: Sick Uh the Artist Murder or Whitechapel?
2: Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> god. <gasps> <The White laughs>
0: uh, Slayer or Megadeth? Slayer. The most painful tattoo you've ever had? Oh, ribs. Best gig you've ever been to? Uh,
2: oh. Architects, I'd say.
0: Sick. Um, the band you most want to see when live shows are back? Um, I would
2: love to see Celestial Sanctuary.
0: Sick. Such a good album, that new one. Uh, death metal or hardcore? Death metal. And the best piece of advice you'd ever give to someone?
2: Uh, I would just say, you know, just, just be yourself. That's Tell you what, mate.
0: Advice. Tell you what, mate. You're not bottom. You've done well there. Okay, I think right mate shit. Mate you've pulled an, Mate you've pulled An arsenal And you're mid table Mate
2: Sick that's, That'll do me man You know It's because I had The heads up So I was sat there Thinking earlier I was just like Is he going to Fucking ask me About bulk throw a death And I've just been Thinking about all day Bulk throw a death Bulk throw a death
0: Mate uh, Symbolic by death I think Uh I think you, you. I think you responded to the tweet we put out about the other day. Uh, symbolic mm. by death. He's like, I mean, it's daft. Oh that God. album is like, I can't yeah, believe. Yeah, it,
2: it is daft. I think Bolt Thrower just took it because I tend to listen to them more, and I just spoke to Carl Willett, so I think that probably yeah. threw it.
0: You know, what's mad. Like, um, about like Bolt Thrower. Until I started following you, like, I thought there were somewhat of not an unknown. But like an underappreciated band, literally, dude. Since yeah. you started Bangers and Marsh, all I ever sees people on my timeline now talking about <laughs> bolt thrower. I like it's sick because yeah. I I thought they were like you'd have to like kind of like dig through the dirt to find a bolt thrower fan. It turns out there's loads of ya. Because I, I, I yeah. since I started following
2: you, know, all I ever sees we're talking about <laughs> bolt thrower. So sick, wicked. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Bands like Frozen Soul and that are all like sort of taking that sort of sound and running with it now. So. Yeah that's this awesome
0: dude uh, this has been so sick uh, I really pre- yeah, you know, I, like I said I reached out to you on a Thursday night like dude are you available by any chance over the weekend and you could have said no uh, and I wouldn't have blamed you if you did Um but you took you took <laughs> your evening you have took your evening to chat to you, man and that is so sick and I really appreciate sure. that so um Bang, people can find you on Twitter at Bangers
2: P, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Bangers Yeah, Bangers P is is our Twitter handle.
0: You are on every single um spot um kind of podcast service, aren't you? The big ones. Yeah, I
2: think we're we're on the Spotify, Apple, and like I think it goes to Anchor as default, but.
0: And it's Bangers and Mosh in the search bar, isn't it? Sure.
2: Yeah. On on all the other on the all the other shit. Yeah.
0: Dude. I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, you know what, mate? Uh, I hope that this time next year we can catch up again and just talk about metal
2: for thirty yeah, minutes and see what mate, goes on. A hundred percent, man. Like we're um, we're definitely gonna have you on. Like if you if you'd like to come on to Bangers and Mosh, I would definitely have you on for a Metal Brick Road, mate. 100%. Mate,
0: I'd absolutely love to. If you ever want someone to talk about a pop punk album, really? mate, which I can't imagine you would, but if you do, <laughs> mate, I'll still listen to pop punk. Oh, yeah. so I'll get on there, mate. I'll do. Yeah, sick. <laughs> oh, oh mate.
2: Could, mate. Yeah, cool. We'll have you on, man.
0: Might amazing. Uh, it's been a pleasure, bro. Um thank you very much. Uh bangers been my you. podcast, make sure you listen to it and I'll speak to you soon, bro.
2: thanks, thanks man. Speak to you soon.
0: Take okay, care, man.